Welcome to the Mousecapades Podcast, the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears. And now, here are your hosts, Vicky and Kaylee. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Vicki, and I'm here with Kaylee and Josiah. We are so happy that you're joining us, and we hope that you're all safe and happy and healthy. This is episode 537, and you're listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. In today's episode, this is the second part of Gone But Not Forgotten from Disney. Last week, we shared with you some of the rides and attractions that were once a part of Disney magic. Some of these things we were able to experience and some we did not, but we want to be able to walk back through Disney's memory lane with our Ohana. Before we get started, we need to remind you that the Mousecapades podcast is a part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on any budget. So I'm going to kick things off with Horizons, which I heard a lot about from my friend Heidi, that's the DVC member. And it used to be at Epcot in Orlando, Florida from 1983 to 1999. This Epcot dark ride took guests on a slow paced journey throughout the future. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm noticing that there were darker rides previously. It's like we've lightened up on that in the in this century. I'm not Why? sure. I'm not sure. Displaying visions of technology across history and time, as well as predicting innovations like hydroponic planters and video conferencing. The journey culminated in a trip to colonized space where guests could choose from three different paths back to present day. Famous for its multiple endings and a cult favorite among Disneyphiles, the reasoning behind its closure is still debated between structural issues with nearby sinkholes and the loss of their corporate sponsor, GE. Curiosity was only fueled when Horizons shuttered in 1994, but reopened exactly one year later while neighboring attractions were being remodeled. Mission Space is what replaced this area at Epcot. This is interesting. I don't know. I don't have much to say about it. All I know is Mission Space makes me sick. I cannot stand Mission Space. Um, But I was going to say that who would have thought video conferencing? You know, we're doing a lot of that now, so I guess they got that right. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little too correct. But I, I understand why they... I think it's a good idea that they replaced it because unless they would have overhauled it, to predict for like 2040 or something, it would not hold up. It would be very weird to go through because we do video conference and we have all these things. Like, True. It wouldn't be the future world that like it's supposed to be. Yeah, because it wouldn't be like Spaceship Earth. Yeah. Which there's, there's something about like, I know they're like adding to it and stuff, but I feel like even though the, you know, futuristic part is not technically... Yeah you know future anymore there's something like sentimental about it and i think that and i don't know that this would have been the same way and they actually postponed the the overhaul for space spaceship earth and i'm sad because i was like yes they needed that forever (laughs) up next are the flying saucers this was a ride in disneyland's tomorrowland from 1961 to 1966 This ride was flying saucer-shaped cars that bopped into each other like bumper cars. They're said to have closed due to constant maintenance and necessary upkeep for the unique air pressure system, but its innovative design was worth remembering on more than one occasion. 
In 2012, the Cars-themed Luigi's Flying Tires in Disney's California Adventure was inspired by the classic ride system, but it closed after only three years, leaving both of these rides to live only in our memories. Hmm. See, this one doesn't, like, really upset me, though, because this feels like something you could go to, like, a Kokomo Joe's for. Yeah. And it's, like, like, it's nothing special. Ride. Yeah, it's like a fair ride. Like, it, it's nothing special. Yeah, for Disney. Like, especially, like, when you have rides like the Avatar ride now. Like, this would yeah. not live up to that at yeah. all. It would be more like a children's ride, kind of. But probably wouldn't be safe enough for children, so. I did like the idea of the Cars-themed ride when it had Luigi's flying tires because I really like Luigi in Cars yeah. movie. I just think he's a fun character. But, yeah, I when I was first researching this, I'm like, People were sad about this. I mean, I don't mean that in an ugly way. It only was there for five years. Uh, the space, the flying saucers one. And then the Luigi's one was only there three. So it's like it it didn't have the hype. Like what you guys said, it needed to be more Disneyfied to make it last yeah. in the system. Now, Maelstrom was a ride in Epcot in Orlando, Florida from 1988 to 2014 in the Norway Pavilion Dark Ride, guests would board a makeshift Viking boat traveling through whimsical lands inhabited by three-headed trolls and polar bears before being led onto an auditorium to watch a more realistic film about modern-day Norway. While the documentary wasn't a showstopper, one of the big highlights was Maelstrom's ride system, a log flume with backwards capabilities which remained integral to the attraction since it reopened as Frozen Ever After. So we had fast passes for this ride in 2014, ironically. And guess what? We were on the other side of the park in like Future World or something, and we were exhausted. And we said, ah, it'll be there next year. No problem. Guess what? It wasn't. So we never rode it as Maelstrom. And I know that it was a big upset to a lot of people when that ride went down. Um, we like Frozen. I mean, but... A lot of people were really, really upset when this ride was taken yeah. out. Yeah, I kind of think, just to update Frozen, which I get it, it's the Frozen ride, but like, if the part where she sings Let It Go, if that was changed to Into the Unknown, I would like it a lot better. <laughs> just because, personally, I think Into the Unknown's a better song. But well, Show Yourself is that too. the best. It is, like, I think that's... It's really hard for me to choose, but Show Yourself was the one that stood out to me after the movie. Mm-hmm, for sure. That one made me cry. Oh, I so I'm just, I have no song. soul. I was, this is nice. <laughs> we know it. We're hoping when Kaylee becomes a parent that her soul appears like Who it did for her. I will? <laughs> well, I'm just saying you are very much like my friend, Miss Angela, who listens to our show. Hi, Miss Angela. And she used to make fun of me for crying at everything. And then I remember that once she had children, her emotions came intact. So I'm hoping for you the same. Okay. <laughs> This next one, Kaylee will tell you, was one of my very favorite parades that is missing from Disney World now. And it's Mickey's Jam and Jungle Parade. It used to be at the Animal Kingdom, and it was there from 2001 to 2014. So we had the opportunity to see it a few times before it closed down. It was created for the 100th year of Magic Celebration that went through Animal Kingdom one time a day, kind of like the 3 o'clock parade at, at the Magic Kingdom. At Christmas time, the parade was overlaid and they changed the name to Mickey's Jingle Jungle Parade and the parade would last about 15 minutes. It'd start at the Tusker House Gate at, at Harambe Village and wind through Animal Kingdom, ending back at the Tusker House Gate. 
And here's what you could see. Five character-based safari vehicles, four drum sculptures, three rickshaw taxis, eight animal puppets, 16 Disney characters, 10 party animal stilt walkers, and 10 party patrol. The eight abstract animal puppets were designed by Michael Curry Designs out of Portland, Oregon, and which created the puppets for The Lion King on Broadway. There were 60 cast members in this parade, and they could have up to 25 guests that got chosen in to be in the parade for the day. Mickey and his friends could be seen in the parade along with other characters that we just don't see very often, and they are Baloo, Louie, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear, Timon, Turk, Turk, I love Turk, and Chippendale. The parade, I still wish that they would reinstate it, uh, although right now with the pandemic, they are doing a like pontoon boat kind of mini parade, only just a couple at a time, like one and then another, not too far off, but which I kind of hope they'll keep that. Because I think that's cool. And it sticks with Animal Kingdom's theme, but it's not crowding the already tight spaces that Animal Kingdom has. So I like the idea of the characters going on boats. So you see them, but like, they're not in the way. That really was a problem because if you remember right, no matter where you stood, you felt You were really... in the way. Like, even if you were up against a barrier, you were like, I'm still in the way. Like, I'm going to die. The coolest thing I think about this parade was that they could pick up to 25 guests. And I just remember wishing that we would be one of the families that got chose because they had this, was it two story or three story? That thing that the people... I think it was two story, but yeah. it was like a jungle safari thing, like two story. And so the people got to ride in it and it was just amazing so if you didn't get a chance to see that i would definitely youtube that one up next are the coral reef printed menus and these were at the coral reef restaurant at epcot in orlando florida we have no record on when this started but we know it isn't a thing anymore since 2009 sadly the awesome manager debbie would allow guests to email pictures to her she would print them out on special personalized menus that were presented to the guest when they arrived the menus were a nice addition, especially if guests were celebrating something like a birthday, anniversary, engagement, etc. The same amazing manager that created magic with the personalized menus at Coral Reef also took requests for messages to give to a diver to appear in the tank during your meal. Unfortunately, this also ended in 2009. You may still see divers when you dine, but they will no longer be displaying personalized messages. I think this is so fun and just like a little... Disney magic, a little Disney flair. Yeah, I like the menu thing. Personally, I hate feelings, so I wouldn't like the message thing like at <laughs> all. But I think the menu thing is cool. <laughs> you could have whatever you wanted on the menu, and then you're the one that knows, and you're like, yay. But I don't want everybody in the restaurant to be seeing what somebody wants to say. Kaylee's like the Grinch. Her heart is two sizes too small. She's never affected by things like this. Because honestly, I thought that this was just a full house thing. Remember, you know, they had Jesse and Joey in the tank or whatever, and they were doing messages like, uh, I think Danny was trying to ask Vicky to marry him or yeah. something, and they had messages. So I thought it was just for television. I didn't realize this was actually a thing. That's cool. Not even if it was like, happy birthday, Kaylee. You wouldn't even want that. Wow. It would just be like, okay, it doesn't say, it says they took requests, but it doesn't say if that costs money. Like, just tell me happy birthday, and it will mean the same to me <laughs> as it would if I see it in a tank. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Remy, a tiny six-inch tall animatronic, used to visit guests at their table as they dined at 
chefs de Francais, joined by his maitre d' friend, Remy moved from table to table while perched on a cheese tray set atop a cart. Only at a park themed around a mouse would the idea of having a rat visit your table while you eat sound like a good idea. This was stopped in 2013 and nothing replaced it. We actually saw this on one of our trips to Disney World. I was a little scared first time because I was like, what? Because it does look gross. It looks real. I wish they didn't stop this. And I didn't go to this restaurant until the last time we went to Disney. And I was also like sick when we went, so I couldn't taste anything. But it was the idea that I was (laughs) in the French restaurant. But I think this is so cool. And I really wish they kept it. And I don't understand, like, why it was stopped. Because I don't think people would get, like, freaked out by having a rat because it's Remy. But I just think it's fun because it's Disney. And you're at the French restaurant. And you have the little Remy rat come visit you at your table. So... It was very cool. I know we were startled at first when it happened to us because it didn't happen to anybody else around us. So then the next year when we came, it happened to another table near us. That was fun to watch those people's reaction because I'm sure that's what we look like but yeah I I really don't know why it went away it gave no details into why it went away um it may be because of crowding because I mean right now they couldn't be crowded in that restaurant if it was open which it's not but it is pretty tight in that restaurant yeah so it may have something to do with that the next thing we're going to talk about is Kim Possible World Showcase Adventure I don't think that we ever participated in this did we no i didn't think so so much like the current agent p's world showcase adventure the kim possible version let the guests utilize specialized cell phones otherwise known as communicators communicators i can't even say that right they went through the world showcase to hunt for clues that solved one of seven different missions and this event ended in 2012 when it was replaced by agent p's world showcase adventure now I'm glad that Agent P replaced it because Phineas and Ferb is a good show. Like, it's very good. Um, but Kim Possible was good, too. So Phineas and Ferb is over, correct? It's just in, yeah. in reruns. So I feel like that's something that we need to be pushing forward into doing something else. Although you guys don't really watch the newer Disney shows, so I wouldn't begin to know. They're bad. <laughs> I think they're bad because they're you're not little anymore. You I think, think. I think. You Joey, think. You think. So with all this time during quarantine, I've been watching a lot of shows on Disney+. Plus. So obviously I went back to the good old Wizards of Waverly Place and it is just as good as I remember yes. it. Yes. But then you watch like Dog <laughs> with a Blog and you're like, what is this? Yeah. And I thought Hannah Montana held up really well. That was like yes. the first thing that yes. I watched after Disney Plus came out. And I was still engrossed in it. Like I yeah. planned to turn it on in the background and I found myself watching it every time because it was still good and they made it appropriate for kids and parents like it was kind of interesting to watch it from an adult standpoint because obviously I was in like the prime of puberty when it came out (laughs) and so I was always like she's right she's an adult (laughs) and she's 13 and then now I watch it I'm like Miley what are you doing honey that's wrong so but yeah I don't think shows like today hold up as well as the ones when we were younger did i could see it staying with agent p's world showcase though for a while because i feel like people are consistently still watching phineas and ferb yeah like it's really holding up with all the little kids now up next is illuminations reflection of earth it ran from 1999 to 2019 in the world showcase lagoon at epcot at the end of each night 
The show featured fountains, fire, special lighting, fireworks, and a large globe covered in LED screens to tell the story of Earth and humanity. This show ended an era to be replaced by Epcot Forever Fireworks. This show has added drones for another dimension. I mean, I know this was Dad's favorite show, but personally, I was glad they were changing it. I think the fireworks they had during Illuminations were cool. I was never really that intrigued by the LED globe. I don't know. I always felt like I was prissy because I was like, Kaylee, this is so cool and it costs so much money. Why are you not enthralled? But I just wasn't. Like, I think just everybody has their own take on different shows and this is just like for me phantasmic is the best nighttime show and i know that's for a lot of people but i know some people couldn't go to disney world and not well now you have to but normally couldn't go to disney world and not see the magic kingdom show but like nick he doesn't really watch that's not his thing he'll tell you that um his is about the rides and seeing characters and just walking around and engulfing himself in the bubble but I really did like Illuminations because it was different. It was different than any of the other nighttime shows. So I think that that is why your dad liked it so much. And also, there's a lot of good places to see this. That's true. There's not always that. That's not always the case in every situation. I think the drones being added to the new show was a good call. I was sad that we couldn't see the drones because it had rained on our last trip when we were stopping to watch after we ate somewhere. So the drones were not added because of the weather. But watching videos there it was really cool it was a good addition to keep it modern i guess my favorite show is and always will be the finding nemo musical (laughs) (laughs) you're really just gonna ever since you were sick last trip and couldn't go see it you're really gonna be like i'm seeing that before i die next is club cool which was in epcot in orlando florida from the opening until september 2019 The store featured Coca-Cola souvenirs as well as an opportunity to sample sodas from around the world. This was the home of the famous Beverly drink that guests enjoyed, encouraging their friends and family to try. It's gross. There are rumors that a new version of this will reopen at some point in the future at Epcot, but nothing has been confirmed. I don't know. To me, it's just wild. Like, you go there to try the Beverly because, like, that's just, like, you do that. It's gross. You go. But it exists. It's a real thing that people pay money to drink. Like, what the heck? I know in Europe, they don't put ice in your drinks, which to us is bizarre because I know Josiah's mom and my husband really love ice and they want ice. Like, Josiah's family has an extra ice machine, which I know a lot of people, my brother wants to invest in one too, because they want their drinks cold. So I'm wondering, not that I want to try it because I don't think it's going to make it better or not, but I'm wondering if it's because the Beverly is served lukewarm, if maybe it tastes better. I mean, we don't know because we want things cold. And so it's chilled when it's been when it was at Club Cool. All right. Next up is one of my personal favorites, and that's the character spot that used to be at Epcot Future World. And it's the location for Mickey, Minnie and Goofy against classic Epcot backdrops. It's a part of the Future World Reimagining location, so it's been temporarily relocated to Innoventions West. There really is no word where the new location is going to be once the construction is complete. This area was replaced by World Celebration Neighborhood, or that's what they're in the middle of constructing right now. That's why you have to go. Once you get to the orb, you either have to go left or right. They don't take you down the middle anymore, which is kind of sad to look at on YouTube, so I can imagine for people that are there. But we used to visit this character spot every visit because it was a great way to get our pictures with the characters. And it was fun to watch how much our kids had changed from year to year. 
Now, Kaylee will tell you she didn't. Go ahead. I was going to say, I was like, it's fun to watch Joey get taller every year. <laughs> and I just stayed about the same. You have matured. I mean, uh, maybe not <laughs> in real life, but I mean, your facial features. In real life. I mean, your personality may not have matured, but your facial features and stuff. Well, my personality's always been mature. Is that what it is? Anyways, I hope that they bring back the character spot. Right now, it is not there. And I know a lot of people are sad. The Fountain View, which was actually Starbucks at Epcot, it was a part of Future World Reimagining, and this location closed to make way for the New World Celebration neighborhood. A new Starbucks temporary location called Traveler's Cafe has since opened near the refreshment port in World Showcase, but no specifics have been announced for the future permanent home of Starbucks and Epcot. I hope there is. I love it. <laughs> All I'm saying is Aventi Starbucks is only a snack point. So you take advantage while I'm there. I take advantage while I'm there. <laughs> Ironically, this is the place that Josiah got his first venti. Which drink did you get? Double chocolatey chip frappuccino. I remember. Yeah. He had the biggest smile on his face. And uh, we have a great picture of him holding it like, this is my Starbucks. I have it. You cannot take it away from me. And that was the day that he discovered it was one snack point And he would be having many more Starbucks in the future. So this is something that is sad to me. That is gone, and it is the Osborne Family Spectacles of Dancing Lights, which was at Hollywood Studios in Orlando, Florida for 20 years, from 1995 to 2015. We saw it several times in why we visited. Imagine gazing upon millions of glittering lights covering the now-gone streets of America, all timed perfectly to your favorite holiday music, while snow floated from the air. That was the Osborne and Family Spectacle of Dancing Lights, and it was beautiful and nostalgic and irreplaceable. We had the opportunity to be a part of its beauty a few times before it left Hollywood Studios, and it was started by a man, and I don't want to misquote, I want to say Ohio, but I'm sorry if I'm wrong. He started it for his daughter, and, it, and he just grew and grew and grew with this light display. Now, now, I don't know if it's Disney or Silver Dollar City that's still denying this, but many of the things that were a part of the Osborne Family Spectacle of Dancing Lights are now a part of the Christmas lights at Silver Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. So even though we had heard that it was being sold to them, it's still being denied. So I'm not sure who's wanting the denial part of it because there's no way that they created all these things completely the same on their own. I'm sorry. I, I, in the I, year after it disappeared from Disney, correct. like it, some of the stuff in the Osborne family light is unique. We're very different. Like you will not find them anywhere else. And they just exist in Silver Dollar City. And they're like, yeah, we just have these new ones, you know, like you did what? Yeah, because I remember we went there with our family that lives there and they were like, these are brand new. What are you talking about? I'm like, well, I can pull up my Disney album and show you these exact same lights that used to be in Orlando. So I don't know what the controversy is there. And maybe they did create it based off what they saw at Disney World. I don't know. But we had heard before they left Disney World that they were thinking about selling them to Silver Dollar City in Missouri. So if you missed the Spectacle Lights, I would encourage you, probably not this year, I doubt it will be going on at Silver Dollar City, but I would encourage you to come visit them and uh, that will help their tourism that they're down on this year. And now, Star Wars Weekends. These were an extremely popular series of Star Wars-themed events that occurred in May and June, and they included Star Wars character meals, classic Disney characters dressed up as Star Wars characters, real characters from the Star Wars movies, a parade, and hugely popular sessions with celebrities where you could get fast passes for autographs or watch panel discussions on different Star Wars topics. These weekends ended several temporary attractions such as Star Wars Launch Bay and entertainment options 
options, but more importantly, Star Wars Land, which opened in 2019. I can't say that I remember these because did it say when it started? We went in June our first trip and I don't remember that. I don't know. We're not big Star Wars people, but I don't really even remember this being like advertised. This says weekends though. And we were literally at Disney World for our time was Monday through Friday. If you remember right, we didn't go to a park. I don't think on Sunday. It's just interesting. People know we're not big Star Wars fans, but we knew about all the other Star Wars stuff, but this was something I didn't really know happened. I used to be a giant Star Wars fan, and Nick knows that back in the day. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids Movie Set Adventure Playground. This was in Hollywood Studios in Orlando, Florida from 1990 to 2016. Based on the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie franchise, this 11,000 square foot playground was home to several iconic images from the movie, such as giant blades of grass, a supersized honeybee, large Play-Doh containers, a film strip slide, and much more. It was shut down to make room for Toy Story Land and Star Wars Galaxy. So if you were there and you went to this playground, and then since you have now been in Toy Story Land and Star Wars Galaxy, I cannot even imagine, like, how it's the same spot, if that makes sense. Just because of the way things have just been renovated, it's wild to think that's in the same spot. But I liked this, and we even went when I was 12. That was our first trip, and this was cool to me. Like, as a 12-year-old, I was like... It's so big. Like, I was just like, normal size things being very large was entertaining. Yeah, it was. I thought it was so cool and a lot of fun to, like, go around and look at everything. And the giant blades of grass were, like, my favorite part. Yeah, and it's not like it would be open right now. But I always thought it was a good spot for parents to kind of cool off a little. Because it was a pretty shaded area where it was. And you could let kids play. If you had a younger kid that needed to nap in the stroller, that a lot of times while the older kids played, it was just a good spot that they had. And I'm not saying that, like, I regret Toy Story Land or Star Wars Galaxy being created, but at the same time, I kind of wish they had an area like that. I really don't understand why they couldn't kept it. I feel like Disney has enough property that they own enough property. They could have extended that out. There has to be a reasoning. I mean, I know that movie was over, but people are now watching it on Disney+. Plus. So I feel like they could bring it back. That movie's iconic. I was going to say, because I know you guys still watch that one and you even watch Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. And I mean, there are so many. Honey, we shrunk ourselves. That one's bad, but that's good still. Right. So I feel like it still has a place, but I do understand that they have to move on just like they had to with this one, which was one of Joey's favorite shows, Lights, Motors, Action, Extreme Stunt Show. It was at Hollywood Studios in Orlando from 2002 to 2016. It was a 40 minute live action show. And it kind of led guests through a mock production of an action movie and involved stunt sequences that included cars, jet skis, and lots and lots of fire. Light Motors action was shown in a giant 5,000-seat stadium theater, and although the film being shot wasn't really a real film, the stunt women and men and the stunts that they were performed were. It was shut down to make room for Toy Story Land and Star Wars Galaxy. We're seeing a theme here when we we have to shut down a lot of things to make things go better. But uh, they also had Herbie the Love Bug in this and... At the very end, Lightning McQueen from Cars was also a part of this show. Yes. Um, I like this show a lot. And I'm sad just because it was something entertaining that was actually like long. It was long and it held a lot of people. And even though there were only a couple showings a day, it held a lot of people. Like it wasn't a show where you felt that the capacity was super low and you were like, I have to wait in line for this all day and get into it. Like, because pretty much wherever you were sitting, it was a good spot. Like it really wasn't. You had to fight for a good spot. So I remember I went to this the first time I was at Disney and it was just so loud and I don't do well with that. I understand like why Joey liked it so much. 
messed yeah. up. But again, though, Toy Story Land and Star Wars Galaxy, those are really cool, too. It sucks that, like, this sort of stuff has to go, go away. Make room. And yeah, like you were saying, I don't get it because, like, you look at the maps of Disney and it's like, what are you doing with these thousands and thousands of acres over here? Like, why not just expand? And then like a higher capacity i feel like there's so many like pros if they just would expand some but yeah and i think my thing is obviously it's closed now but for things like this that are super loud and you have young kids that go to disney like that's a demographic that they reach for is young children with how many people have sensory issues now they off they provide like theater glasses for so many attractions i don't know why they wouldn't invest in like canceling headphones and disinfect them and provide them for people because I feel like that would just be nice to do and considerate. Um, in the same way that like they have disabled seating areas, like yeah. same thing, which those with severe sensory issues will probably bring their own mm-hmm. headphones. But some people, it's just like some things. I think it would just be a courtesy thing to provide that. Up next is the Backlot Tour that was at Hollywood Studios in Orlando, Florida from 1989 to 2014. Once the premiere attraction at Hollywood Studios, this combination walking and tram ride took guests behind the scenes of movie making. Guests spent the first part of the attraction walking through the demonstration of how some of the scenes from popular movies are created before moving on to a tram tour that showcased set props, costumes, stunts, and the production of action scenes, the latter highlighted by a trip to Catastrophe Canyon. It was shut down to make room for Toy Story Land and Star Wars Galaxy once again. And this is so, like, this is sounds so cool. I am the most sad about this. I loved doing this every time because we went so many times, but they were constantly filtering the stuff that was in there. So you would see something different every time. And I'm like so upset. They say here it was shut down to make room for Toy Story Land and Star Wars Galaxy. But when it was originally closed, it was shut for like a Frozen thing. I was so disappointed about this. Like we saw so many cool things here and it always changed. The one that was most memorable for me was the Hannah Montana movie. They had like (laughs) the entire barn house that they built with the egg door. It was there. Like we got to see it and I was like, oh, because it was in the prime of when I loved Hannah Montana. Yeah. So... That's it's so sad because this just sounds so cool. And I think anyone would be interested in this just in how their favorite movies were made and getting to see, like you said, the barn from the Hannah Montana movie, like getting to see a piece of your favorite movie in real life. I anyone would like that. Yeah. And it was a process to get through it all. Like it took 30 minutes to do that. Like it was a decent amount of time that you were on this thing. So that's just a lot of entertainment. That's a long ride or attraction. Our last, I guess, event or attraction we're going to talk about today is the Spectromagic Electrical Parade. This was at a few Disney locations. The Electrical Parade Spectromagic is a parade at night that features 600,000 electronically controlled LED lights and uses a synchronized soundtrack triggered by radio control along key areas of the parade route. The parade started in Disneyland from 1977 to 1996, and then it returned for a short time from 2017 and 2019. Disney California Adventure hosted this parade in 2001 and 2010. There was another version in the Magic Kingdom in Orlando, Florida from 1977 to 2016 with two major gaps from 1991 to 1999 and 2001 to 2010. We love this parade and wish that Disney would decide to either bring it back or give us a new one. (laughs) 
I like personally really like this parade. So at the time, it was like Disney World had this parade and Disneyland had the Paint the Night Parade. And then they were like, okay, we're going to move this parade to Disneyland. But then they didn't give Disney World anything new instead of like trading them, which was very interesting to me, especially because the Paint the Night Parade is pretty. Like I've watched that parade multiple times on YouTube because it's so cool. And the music is actually the same. If you're a musical person, you'll probably catch it. But the music is actually the same for both parades, but they're done differently due to the theme. So the Spectro Magic Parade music sounds very electronic, techno, like it's created through a computer when the Paint the Night Parade sounds much more pop and it uses a lot of Disney songs differently than the Spectro Magic Parade does. That sounds really cool. And I don't understand why they don't bring something like this because, you know, they have all the parades and events during the day. So it's like, why not have some big, really cool light up parade at night? I kind of wonder from a marketing standpoint, thinking about it, they offer nighttime parades at the extra hour events for holidays. So like they have a special Christmas parade and they have a special Halloween one at night, but you can only get those if you go to the ticketed events but i'm wondering if they're using it as a tactic is like you can only see nighttime parades if you buy tickets to these things which is rude but i guess do what you want we have an update for you from the gone but not forgotten episode part one because we were talking about the great movie ride and how we were all devastated for the loss of it and i know that that's not true with everybody but it is true for a lot of people so i have great news it is coming back sort of Hundreds of the former Great Movie Ride cast members have virtually created the Great Movie Ride and they put out a teaser video if you want to Google the Great Movie Ride teaser and then it will let you look it up. Since August 13th, 2017, when the Great Movie Ride closed, it was the only ride still left in Hollywood Studios, which was originally MGM, that had been there when the park opened. So for 30 years, it had almost survived, almost 30 years. And they removed it and it was a sad day for all. But on August the 13th, 2020, so three years to the date, they are going to fully recreate the ride and it's going to be released onto YouTube. All of your favorite movie moments are going to come to life once again. Every aspect of the recreation was done virtually over the last few months during the quarantine. This includes their pre-show, the ride, and even their finale. And in fact, we've learned that the finale is an exact replica of the original that we all love and remember. So take your seats and get ready to ride on the quarantine edition of The Great Movie Ride that comes out Thursday, August 13th on YouTube. Again, that's Thursday, August 13th on YouTube. We wanted to bring you this update because, as I'm sure many of you listeners are sad, so were we when The Great Movie Ride light were turned off for the very last time. Well, Josiah and Kaylee, I actually think we could go on forever talking about things that Disney has retired and live in our memories, but I think it's time that we kind of tie this up now. We did do two episodes. I hope that we touched on maybe some of your favorites and things that you miss at Disney, and maybe we'll revisit this again at a later date with other ones because I had no idea when I thought to do this episode what it would be, but it was nice walking down Disney's memory magical lane and talking about all this stuff. If you are interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or a comment, all you have to do is email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. 
Or if you would like to book a trip or just want a free quote, contact us at yourstorytravel.com. You can check us out on our social media accounts, yourstorytravel.com, our Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast, and our Twitter page, Mousecapades Pod. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we dish the latest rumors and news and chat with the gang. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears, The Mousecapades Podcast. Well, you two, I think it's about that time. Disney love. And pixie dust. Who put the gladding gladiator? Have a magical day, my friends.